0: Brothers and sisters, God be praised for the privilege that he has given us to know him, to serve him, to honor him, to worship him together. There is no greater privilege, no greater priority, no greater thing that we could do or that we could be doing as Christians than coming together to worship the Lord and worship him in the beauty of his holiness on this first Sunday of the new year. Thank God for his presence with us today. Thank the Lord for your presence with us today on this first Sunday of the new year 2022. Now, brothers and sisters, as we continue in God's word together, Today, I want to continue with our series in the Gospel of Mark on this first Sunday of the new year. I considered preaching a uh, a particular New Year's Day message, but I have done that for many years and, of course, shared uh, words of encouragement with all of us who were able to gather together on New Year's Eve night. But the Holy Spirit has led me to continue on the journey that the Lord has us on through the gospel of Mark together. Today in chapter 3 beginning at verse 7, we're going to be looking at a great multitude which followed. We're going to be looking at the fame of Jesus in Mark chapter 3 verses 7 through 12 today for God has a word for us today from this passage. Now let us pray for ears to hear and eyes to see, minds to believe and hearts to receive and a will to obey the truth of God's word. May God give us wisdom and insight and understanding while we're hearing his word and while we're hearing his word that we would be not only hearers but doers of his word and that God would give us the wisdom to do the word appropriately, learn from the principles of scripture in this story of the gospel of Mark, give us, that God would give us wisdom to apply what we hear. We're not just preaching for nothing and we're not just hearing for nothing. We are preaching and hearing in order to be made more and more into the image and the likeness of our Savior, Jesus, who saved us from our sins for eternity. Now, at this juncture in the story, Mark, the gospel writer, gives a brief report on the larger impact of the ministry of Jesus throughout Palestine, ancient Palestine, and beyond. It is nothing short of remarkable that in a time when communication was very different from our modern era, people all over the region heard about Jesus and came to him for help. You know, it is interesting. The one thing that has not changed from then to now, from ancient times to modern times to postmodern times, is the simple word of mouth, (laughs) people talk. And even though in that day, they did not have all of the technological advancements that we enjoy to help us communicate today much farther and much faster than any generation of previous history. Nevertheless, it is still remarkable how that the word spread and people talked about Jesus and heard about what he had been doing and came to him for help you know there were plenty of doctors priests prophets holy men and healers throughout the region of palestine but they were all sufficient insufficient all insufficient in comparison to jesus This highlights the uniqueness of Jesus for he was unlike any other person and the people experienced it and it is still true today. Jesus is the most unique person in all history, indeed in all eternity. Look with me if you would at Mark chapter three verses seven through twelve. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, Mark three beginning in verse seven says this Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples, and a great multitude from Galilee followed, and all f- also from Judea and from Jerusalem and from Idumea and beyond the Jordan and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, a great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to him. And he told his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd, so that they would not crowd him. For he had healed many, with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, you are the son of God. And he earnestly warned them not to tell who he was. Jesus had just undergone a series of five grueling controversies with his opponents in Mark chapter 2 through chapter 3, verse 6. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, through chapter 3, verse 6. Let us recall that at the beginning of chapter 2, we had entered a new section in Mark's gospel made up of five controversies which enveloped the ministry of Jesus. The first controversy in chapter two, verses one through 12 involved Jesus' authority to forgive sins and to heal a paralyzed man. The second controversy in chapter two, verses 13 through 17 revolved around the call of Matthew Levi, the tax collector and Jesus dining with socially unaccepted people and sinners, tax collectors who were considered socially unacceptable in, among the Jews. The third controversy in chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, involved the appropriate purpose of fasting, The fourth controversy in chapter 2, verses 23 through 27, was about Jesus' authority to regulate activities on the Sabbath. And the fifth controversy in chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, involved Jesus healing a man with a deformed hand on the Sabbath. Each one of these controversies explores the issue of the divine authority of Jesus and whether his claim to divine authority was legitimate. But there was apparently no question about the legitimacy of Jesus' divine authority among the masses of people who came to him seeking help. Verse seven reports that Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples. Perhaps after the five controversies, Jesus wanted to get away for a bit of rest. Perhaps Jesus was moving away uh, from the place where his opponents had been congregated and gathered and assembled against him. In any case, Jesus withdrawing to the sea reflects something important about his character. Jesus was not enamored with controversy. He was not wanting to fight with his enemies all of the time. Jesus was not toxic like some people who like to fight with others all the time. He withdrew. He was not running away from his opponents as if he feared them. He simply embodied the ethic of peace and was not interested in endless conflict and tension with the religious leaders and authorities and other opponents. You know, some people seem to be interested only in endless conflict and tension with others, but that was not our Lord. And that should not be characteristic of us as Christians either. For no one who has been genuinely redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ who died for their sins wants to be embroiled in endless conflict and tension with other people. Of the five controversies, four involved Jesus' opponents coming to confront him or his disciples. Only in the final controversy in chapter three, verses one to six, did Jesus initiate the confrontation with his opponents. And in that case, he did so to expose them. And ironically, in that particular episode, they were silent. For he had silenced them while exposing them. But the other four controversies, they came confronting and going after Jesus and initiating the conflict, even in their hearts with the first controversy. We are not informed as to the exact location where Jesus and the disciples withdrew, but whatever respite he may have attempted to achieve never really materialized because it is also reported that a great multitude of people followed him. Jesus may have been extremely unpopular with the Jewish authorities, but he was extremely popular with the people. He was so popular that people came from seemingly everywhere to see him, according to verses 7b through verse 8, which says this, a great multitude from Galilee followed and also from Judea and from Jerusalem and from Idumea and beyond the Jordan and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon. A great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to him. Wow. Just to give a brief survey, of the places from which the people came. Galilee was the home locale for Jesus and his disciples. His hometown of Nazareth was located there, as well as his adopted hometown, Capernaum. Judea was located to the south of Galilee. It was the territory which incorporated the Jewish capital city of Jerusalem, where the temple was also located. Idumea was the territory to the south of Judea. Historically, Idumea was the land of the Edomites, who were the descendants of Esau, the twin brother of the patriarch Jacob, in Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 19. To 34. Beyond the Jordan referred to the territory east of the Jordan River, also known as the Transjordan, or what would be considered modern day Jordan and Syria. The vicinity of Tyre and Sidon referred to the Mediterranean coastal region located north of Galilee. Jesus will later visit the region of Tyre in Mark chapter 7, verse 24, where he will heal a demon-possessed girl. The people came from all over to see and hear Jesus and to be healed by him. The scripture says a great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to him. A great number of people. And they came from all over, from the north, from the south, from further south, from the east, from every direction. They made their way to wherever Jesus was and converged upon him with the hope of getting his help and receiving his healing. The people heard of all that Jesus. Was doing. In an era when communication was simply word of mouth, the word spread far and wide. People were talking about what Jesus was doing. In other words, they were telling others about the powerful impact of his messianic ministry, his preaching and teaching ministry his healing and exorcism ministry, his reconciliation and restoration ministry. And the more people talked, the more they talked. (laughs) The more the word spread about Jesus, the more people came to him. Jesus had become even greater than John the Baptist. In John chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And that is what we are seeing here. We're seeing the increase of Jesus after John had decreased. By the way, brothers and sisters, we today need to talk a lot more about Jesus what he has done, and what he is doing today. The more we talk about Jesus, the more people will come to hear about him and see the glory of God in his church. It would glorify God if we would simply replace gossip with the gospel. You know, there's so many of us who like to gossip. Well, you know, if we replaced our gossip with the gospel of God, then people might actually fill up our churches. People might actually fill up our church. (laughs) Yes, for the new year 2022, why don't we make a commitment in our hearts to replace our gossip with His gospel every opportunity we get. The people left their priests and prophets and doctors and healers to come to Jesus. Why? Because they heard of all that he was doing. What Jesus was doing was miraculous. Jesus was doing what no one else could do. Jesus was doing what only God could do. As the Son of God, Jesus had divine authority to forgive sins, heal all manner of sickness, suffering, and disease, even diseases that were impossible to cure, expel demonic spirits from people, call people to faith who were considered outsiders, teach and preach the word of God with divine authority and much, much more. Jesus fulfilled what the prophet Isaiah declared in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3, when he wrote these divinely inspired words. And I want to encourage you, even now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Verses beginning at verse 1. In Isaiah chapter 61, beginning at verse 1, the prophet wrote these divinely inspired words. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Wow. Isaiah chapter 61, verses one, two, and three. You see, Jesus was fulfilling the works that Old Testament scripture had foretold the Messiah would perform. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6, Matthew 11, verses 2 through 6, recounts an episode where Jesus gives this answer to the disciples of John the Baptist, who had apparently become somewhat perplexed about his messianic ministry. That is the messianic ministry of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse two. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. The things Jesus was doing were having an impact on people everywhere. And they came from everywhere to be ministered to by the Messiah himself. The people were not interested in the pretenders, the imitators, the mimickers, the copycats, the phonies, and the frauds. They wanted authentic help and healing. They wanted the real thing with God because they had real needs. This is no less true of people today, is it not? They have real needs, real problems, real sins, real illnesses, real challenges, real fears, and real threats. They don't have time for pretend solutions. They need the authentic biblical gospel and they need the word of God authentically preached and taught to them so that they can overcome the realities of sin, guilt, shame, pain, conflict, confusion, and every other malady that afflicts them in their lives. And when we give them the authentic Jesus of the Bible, They can be made right with God, made right with themselves, and made right with others. When we give them the authentic Jesus of the Bible. Verses 9 through 10 report that he told his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crowd him. for he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. So many people were coming to see Jesus that the crowds were becoming difficult to control. So Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready for him to get into and stand on as a platform to preach to the people. This would also protect Jesus from being crushed by the massive crowds of people. Hmm. Recently at a concert at Astroworld Park in Houston, Texas, we witnessed a harrowing example of how people can be crushed to death by massive crowds of people pushing and shoving and smothering and smashing and trampling one another. The crowds had become huge and unwieldy. Wow. You know, These massive crowds following Jesus showed that Jesus did not need the religious authorities of his day, the Jewish authorities and Jewish leaders' approval and authorization. God showed his stamp of divine approval and authorization upon Jesus by virtue of all the people who came from everywhere to be helped by him and to be healed by him. Hmm. The scripture says, he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. Mark vividly illustrates for us the deep and profound sense of need reflected in the people of these unwieldy crowds. People were desperate to get to Jesus in hopes of experiencing his healing touch. He had healed many, many people. People in agony, people in pain, people in misery, torment, sickness, suffering, sorrow, stress and distress. If they could only touch him, they would be made whole. Not only do we see great need in these crowds, but we also see hope in these crowds. They come hoping Jesus will help them and heal them. And like the disciples who prepared the boat, if we can do what the Lord commands us to do, the people will come to the church to see Jesus and receive the hope the help, and the eternal healing they need. You see, in this episode, if you notice, the disciples didn't get in the way. They just did what Jesus told them to do. They prepared the place. They prepared a boat for him to be able to get into that boat and minister to the masses of misery represented in these unwieldy crowds of people. In fact, the unwieldy nature of the crowds is a vivid picture of the unwieldy nature of the human predicament in this life. The jostling and the tussling and the hustling and the bustling and the struggling one against another, people trying to survive. In this world, the, the unwieldy crowds heroes are, are an example of the unwieldy masses of humanity in this world. But God knows how to deal with the unwieldy masses and mess of humanity. We're looking at an unwieldy mess of humanity in the world in which we live today. But this isn't anything new for God. God knows how to deal with the unwieldy mess and mess of humanity and the uncontrolled mess that humanity can make of itself. God knows. Is there anything too hard for God? No. Nothing is too hard for the Lord, and nothing is too hard for Jesus here, even if it's too hard for the disciples to control the crowd. But here the disciples do what Jesus told them to do, get the boat prepared. And then they get out of the way and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do with this unwieldy mess of humanity that is before him. For only Jesus can minister the hope and the help and the healing that they need. And the disciples understood that. You know, brothers and sisters, if we could just get ourselves and our selfishness out of the way long enough, God would bring the masses into our church and fill up our pews with people coming to get the help, the hope, and the healing that only Jesus in his word preached and proclaimed faithfully could provide for them. If we could just get out of the way and do what the Lord told us to do. Verses 11 through 12 tell us, whenever the unclean spirits saw him, now here we are in an episode where the masses have come to see him. But then Mark also gives us this note of verses 11 and 12. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, you are the son of God. And he sternly warned them not to tell who he was. (laughs) One astute commentator writes, and I quote, the crowds may fall upon Jesus, but the evil spirits fall before him, end quote. Amen. For you see, even if the crowds of people did not fully understand who Jesus is, the demons immediately recognized and knew who Jesus is. Whenever they saw Jesus, they fell down before Jesus. You know, brothers and sisters, this offers an acute irony. The demons recognize Jesus for who he is. But the Jewish religious authorities completely failed to recognize Jesus for who he is. The religious authorities were no better than the demons. In fact, the demons did what they had refused to do but they had refused to acknowledge Jesus as Messiah and son of God, even though they saw what he was doing. They heard what he was doing just like the masses had done, but they refused and rejected the Lord. It reminds me of Psalm number 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. They refuse to acknowledge our Lord Jesus. This does not mean anything positive, by the way, for the demons. (laughs) They are evil. Even though they are evil, they know the Lord when they see him. It reminds me of James chapter two, verse 19, brothers and sisters, where James writes there, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. (laughs) Yeah, you can say you believe all day long. The demons do that, but belief must be verified By faithful action. Listen, our good deeds do not save us, but salvation is shown, is proven through our good deeds that follow our salvation. That's what James is talking about there in James chapter two, when he says faith with no deeds to back it up is dead. You say you believe all day long, but if your belief does not result in action, in good deeds, then your belief is no different than the belief of the demons. So even though they're evil, uh, they know the Lord when they see him. When the unclean spirits saw the Lord, they blurted out, you are the son of God. They may be rotten, but they still must recognize the righteous son of God. And yet here we have humans in the form of the the Jewish religious leaders and Jewish authorities, the theologians and theologues, the priests and the Jewish prophets who refuse to recognize the righteous son of God refusing to do what even the demons had to do. This this reminds us that the demons know the truth even though they oppose it. This would also be true of a whole lot of people like the Jewish authorities. They know the truth even though they oppose it. Too many people today know the truth and yet still oppose it. This also reminds us that the Lord is sovereign over all, including the unclean spirits. Every knee must bow before the majesty of the Messiah. Jesus responded to the demons with a stern warning not to reveal his identity. Jesus silenced the demons by the powerful command of his word. Why? Because it was not yet time for Christ to be fully revealed as the son of God. That would come at the cross and the empty tomb. Let us pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you for your powerful word We thank you for these words in Mark chapter three, verses seven to twelve, which show us your increasing greatness and power in your earthly ministry while you walk the earth, the same power that you've always possessed eternally and that you possess to this very day. As your name continues to spread the earth and to save the lost. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the savior who can meet every human need and that you are worthy to be worshiped, worthy to be sought after, worthy for us to seek you. No matter what distance, People have to travel to come to you, O God. You are worthy, Lord Jesus, to be worshiped and to be sought after. And you, Lord Jesus, are sovereign. Sovereign over all sickness. Sovereign over all evil spirits. Sovereign, Lord Jesus, over all we thank you as we pray now that in your sovereignty you will save the lost, the sinful soul of the sinner who is listening to your word even now, who needs to repent and believe the good news of the gospel, that you died for their sins and you rose again and you are alive forevermore, And that you reign supreme from the right hand of the majesty on high. That you are coming, you are returning again soon to judge the living and the dead. And to give eternal rewards and all who have trusted you by faith and believe will be saved for eternity. And those who rejected you will be doomed to eternal condemnation in the lake of fire. Where their punishment will never end. But where our salvation, but, but our salvation will never end in heaven. For all who are saved and who trust and believe in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As we pray for the salvation of sinners. And as we pray for the sanctification of the saints. May your words sanctify our souls. Not only today, but every day in the name, the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank God and amen.